I'm reminded in uh, that uh, both Chimolanga and Hasha do it reminded me last night that usually in Chinese we say hao, which is hello everyone. Welcome for coming, ladies and gents. Um, I'm sure you're all very excited. I'm very excited to, uh, to be here, um, you know, to, to finally, I guess, reveal all, all the secrets that we've been talking. We've been talking about you for a good two weeks now. Now you'll, you'll hear what we have to say. Um, so just to kind of tell you a little bit about ourselves, going to introduce us. I, I speak as a we. We've known each other for about 10 years now. Um, I've been working with them. Um, you know, translating mainly. I, I mainly work as a translator. My name is D. Dayton, by the way. Um, mainly work as a translator. I write stuff myself, but I always hate it so much that I just go back to translating. So that's kind of where I'm at with my own work. Um, but Hajaju and Jimulanga um, are both from the southwest of China, a place called Sichuan. Um, you probably have heard of Sichuan food. That's where they're from. They like it spicy. Um, they were both born in the same year, 1963, um, and they both actually uh, started writing poetry about the same time. Um, they're from different places. Ha Xiaoju is from uh, this, what at the time was part of uh, Sichuan, but now is actually part of the municipality of Chongqing. Uh, he's from Pengshui, so it's just kind of a, a county in this municipality. Um, he's also Miaozu. Uh, Miao being an ethnic minority in China. Um, in the U.S. we usually call them Hmong, uh, but the Miao are hypothetically the larger group and the Hmong are one specific group within that. So that's uh, part of kind of his poetry and informs to some extent kind of what he's, how he sees the world. Um, Jimolanga is from the southern part of Sichuan, this place called Liangshan. Um, Liangshan is famous because it's where the Yi are from. The Yi are also another ethnic group, uh, ethnic minority group in China. Um, and what's kind of interesting for both of them is they both kind of met each other and started, well, they didn't meet each other in Chengdu. They met each other in Xichang, right? Yeah, in Xichang, Renshu. So it's in Xichang that they met each other uh, and started writing poetry together. And then now they both live in Chengdu, which is the capital of Sichuan. Um, and it's, you know, of course, they've, they're good friends and have worked together as poets for a long time. So it's been really nice for me to kind of become the third, the third friend, I guess, in this collaboration. Um, just to kind of give you a, a bit more background, too, about their work, I would say there's two kind of main elements in what they're doing. Um, one, kind of most importantly, is their style of writing um, and really what they started participating in the 1980s when they really started as poets was this thing called feifei. Feifei literally means not, not, not. So it's not-ism, if you like, feifei jui. Um, and it really was a kind of push against the um, kind of more elevated, more affluent styles um, that are kind of even now being propagated in Chinese poetry. They're not necessarily um, minimalist, but they are definitely kind of more on the side of conversational poetry. Um, now, more recently, their kind of turn has been towards what they call feihua which is literally nonsense. So it's nonsense poetry. Um, and I think you'll kind of see this come out in their work. So that's kind of the main style and the kind of the way they write. But the other thing, like I was saying, they're both from ethnic minority groups in China. And they have a very, I think, very kind of uh, interesting, but also very provocative relationship with the Chinese language. And when I say Chinese language, I mean literally the language of the Han. 
Um, used in English, we don't really differentiate between the Han and China as a place that's actually multi-ethnic. Um, but the point is, is the language that most people speak in China is the Han language. And so they have a kind of interesting, unique relationship with this language. All right, with no further ado, I will turn it over to Ha Xiaoju. Uh, hello, good afternoon. Hello, English. I'm sorry. Paifengshan. Taiduo的烟草, Jiju在肺, 数十年的时间，他们已不再是烟雾，排风扇排遣不了，生如骨髓的黑暗元素。Ventilation fan. Too much tobacco is collected in the lungs. Turning on a fan will accomplish nothing. For decades now, it has ceased to be smoke. A ventilation fan can't dissipate the essence of blackness deep within the marrow. Uh,下面我用我的家乡话方言读下面这首诗。肖有寒症，其实并不出乎其知道，这个时分靠近加拿大的美国小镇。该怎样用中文命令？江省为题，江省这是对江省的音译为题，是傅孟泰州的缩写，就像S.F.是三番四，旧金山的缩写一样。但在汉语翻译的习惯上，江省就是约翰逊，江省为题，即是傅孟泰
Um, but I gave this poem a subtitle uh, because I think it needs a subtitle. So the subtitle is otherwise known as the town of Little John. <laughs> and you'll find out why in a second. In truth, I'm not entirely certain how this small town very near to the Canadian border should be written in Chinese. Johnson VT, Jiangsi. This is the Chinese transliteration. VT is the abbreviation for Vermont, like SF is the abbreviation for San Francisco, those old golden mountains. But in the customary form of translation, Johnson is pronounced Yuhan Xun. Johnson, Vermont is precisely Fumantu Yuhan Xun. And as our friend D. Dayton told us, this John is another John's son. So he is the little John. Following this line of thinking, Chimolanga and I play, uh, call our place of residence Little John. In my post to our friends on social media, I wrote, Afternoon, some American residents drive their cars to the town of Little John. Their goal, sitting on the grass, eating hot dogs and popcorn, while enjoying music in the open air. Or, as written in my journal, in Little John, I feel time has always passed slowly. Hi. Wow, hey, <laughs> yeah. Hello, everyone. Hey, 小约翰镇虽然我和何小竹不懂英文就很少跟大家交流但是呢每天大家都在一起吃饭而且也看了很多艺术家的作品感觉就像一个单位的老相识一样所以我觉得以后回到中国我会想很经常会想起这个地方，也想起大家这些熟悉的面孔。He said, even though he and Hashoju don't speak English and have difficulty obviously communicating with everyone, that he's really enjoyed the the kind of experience of first eating with everyone in the cafeteria, but then also seeing your work, hearing your work, experiencing your work, and. It, it reminded him of, and this is a kind of a funny thing to translate to, um, in China there is still such a thing called Danwei, which is literally your work unit, um, your socialist work unit. A good thing, actually, a socialist work unit. Um, and how people in your work unit, you would get to know them all and kind of be together. So he'll, he, it reminds me of that, and he'll, when he returns to Sichuan, returns to Chengdu, he'll remember you all in this fashion. <laughs>我给大家也读一首我写的这个小约翰镇小约翰镇干净的天干净的云干净的房子干净的路干净的树干净的树林干净的干净的干净的舒服又寂寞
Thank you. 呃，下面我读一首呃早期写的诗，叫《碧波来了》。感到了不祥，去请碧波，并把东西准备好，树枝、草，当然还有一头羊。碧波坐在上首，一边照规矩杂草，一边和蔼的闲聊。他的跟前放着一碗白酒。羊被牵羊的人牵着，神色安详而老练，好像彝族喂的羊生来就有这个义务。其实，人和羊不同，人一生要经历很多次这种进场面，而羊只有一次，随之将被宰杀。羊头和皮给笔墨带走，肉由大家分尸。傍晚，笔墨收起了笑容。开始诵经，节奏分明的经文，那次黑人的说唱，再加上东方的神秘，笔墨数次举起铃铛摇晃，清脆的铃声伴着练词，于深夜传向屋外，也传进人们的心里。笔墨来了，妖魔鬼怪将被降服，人需昌旺，家庭幸福。有名的笔墨都很忙。在其他村寨，同样的声音敲打着临近的夜晚，哪怕外来文化像傍晚的浏阳，纷纷进入山寨。谢谢 ，Thank you。So some side notes to this poem.、Um, as he said, this poem was written kind of earlier in his career,、um, and it's specifically about the E,、uh, the E culture.、Um, there's a Uh, you could call them a shaman、uh, in their culture, called a bimo,、uh, and they are also a, traditionally the, the only group of、uh, the only you could say、um, class of people in the society who could read. E、um, had their own script, actually.、Um, so he's talking about the in this poem. It's specifically about the the relevance of bimo to contemporary E society or E culture. So the title is "The Coming of the Bimor." When feeling jinxed, I go invite the bimor and get some things ready—branches, grass, and of course a lamb. The bimor sits at the head, bundling grass according to custom and chatting genially. A bowl of distilled spirits placed before him. The lamb is led by the person leading it. Its express expression, sedate and seasoned, as if it was raised by the E. From the time it was born to fulfill this duty, actually, people and sheep are different. People in a lifetime have to experience many times this spectacle, but sheep only have one chance. After which they will be slaughtered. The head and pelt given to the bimor, and the meat shared amongst everyone. At nightfall, the bimor sobers his smiling face, beginning the recitation. Rhythmically clear, the scriptures are akin to African tribal singing, with the addition of Eastern mysticism. The bimor steadily lifts and swings the bells. A crisp ringing accompanies the reading of words. It spreads into the darkness outside the room, and ends the hearts of the people. The bimor has come. Ghosts and goblins will be subdued. Man and beast will live in harmony. The famous bimors are all very busy. In other villages, the same sounds resonate with the serenity of the evening, even if outside cultures are like those cows and sheep at nightfall, entering the mountain villages in waves. Thank you, everyone. <laughs>